time we make some progress accepting people of different races, ethnic groups, religions, immigrants, etc., and trying to bring equity to them, there's a backlash from the haters. Always haters. And welcome to The Shrinks on Third, our psychology and social justice podcast. I'm psychologist Julie Mayer. And I'm psychologist Cindy Ariel. Welcome in. Cindy, I, I, I really don't want to talk about our topic today. Um, it makes me feel kind of ill. And what I really want to do is pretend that they don't exist. So I'm taking a deep breath because I know that's not the best way to deal with reality, is it? Are there really white supremacy deniers? <laughs> I mean, that would be some crazy way to deal. So no, I'm glad you won't pretend that. Right. So we'll be talking about the Ku Klux Klan today. Anyway, they are active today, despite the progress we've made or tried to make toward racial equality. But obviously, that's not what the KKK is about. So we're going to no. So we're going to take a look at their history. The Ku Klux Klan was started in 1865 by Confederate veterans as a social club in Pulaski, Tennessee. It grew over the next five years and became a strong resistance group as the Republican Party of those days, obviously different from the Republican Party of today, which basically is the KKK, began working toward political and economic equality for Black Americans. The Klan were a white supremacist terrorist group from the start. Wow. So really, there was nothing redeemable from the very, very beginning. Absolutely nothing. A social club focused on fighting against equality. What kind of social club does that? Well, apparently there are many around the country. But this one was one of the first that really took hold and one of the best known. It sounds like it wasn't a secret what they stood for, racism, but that it was something they were proud of. I suppose it just took off from there. Sure did. By 1870, five years later, there was a branch of the Klan in every state in the Union. Different branches were formed around the South, and they called themselves an invisible empire of the South. Their original campaign was waged underground toward Republican leaders and voters that were both white and black. Every state, invisible empire, really? I don't know, that sounds so adolescent boy to me. I suppose they had secret handshakes and costumes. Oh, I bet. Local Klan members often wearing masks and dressed in the organization's signature long white robes and hoods usually carried out their attacks at night, acting on their own, not necessarily as a full group, but in support of the common goal of restoring white supremacy in the South. So wow. they're so proud of it, and yet they did it like behind a cloak. Good point. They did hide their, themselves because they were doing things that were illegal and immoral. Proud of it, but also maybe 
ashamed of it? No, just secretive. I don't know. Yeah. I actually read that the long white robes and hoods were supposed to represent the ghosts of Confederate soldiers killed during the Civil War. You know, speaking of that, this is an aside, but, you know, in the suburbs close to here, there are two public high schools that are rivals. One has its mascot, the Black Panther, and the other has as its mascot, the Ghosts. No. There have been various calls to change the name of the Ghosts, and it still hasn't happened. Wow, that's just like a, an example of how ingrained in our culture this all is, this racism. But even though it's been brought up and they've been told, they just don't want to change it. I, I don't understand why. Yep. Anyway, so getting back to the KKK beginnings, among <laughs> the most notorious zones of Klan activity was South Carolina, where in January 1871, 500 masked men attacked the Union County Jail and lynched eight Black prisoners. Oh my gosh, they murdered people. That's so awful. Well, that wasn't the first time they killed people, but no. that was one of the better known times. The group has had its ups and downs. So after declining in the late 1800s, it was revived in the early 20th century when they were burning crosses and staging rallies, parades, and marches against immigrants, against Jews, African-Americans, and organized labor. Huh. So these are some of the people, you know, messing with the minimum wage there. Yeah. KKK activity also surged again during the civil rights movement of the 1960s when there were bombings of Black schools and churches and violence against Black and white activists in the South. I suppose that really makes sense. Every time we make some progress, accepting people of different races, ethnic groups, religions, immigrants, etc., and trying to bring equity to them, there's a backlash from the haters. Always haters. Democratic leaders later attributed Klan violence to poor Southern white people. But really, KKK membership crossed class lines all over the place. It included probably still includes all kinds of people from farmers and laborers to lawyers, businessmen, physicians, and even ministers. Wow. I'm sure that it was really about racism and hate and not about the income levels of the white people. And clearly people of all socioeconomic levels can hate whole groups of people. And I don't wanna think about how law enforcement dealt or didn't deal with these murderers. Well, in places where most of the Klan activity took place, the law enforcement officials either belonged to the Klan or wouldn't take action against it. Even those who arrested accused Klansmen found it hard to find witnesses willing to testify against them. Some of that was fear, of course, and a lot of it was complicity. Other white leaders in the South often declined to speak out against KKK actions, which basically gave them the go-ahead, whether they meant to or not. I think they meant to. Uh, yeah. You know, somehow that reminds me of our previous political administration <laughs> that literally encouraged racist acts of violence and hate. It certainly did nothing to condemn or curtail them. And so many Republicans are either afraid to speak up or maybe even more likely they agree with the racist acts. Of course, in the distant past, it was the Republicans who were the good guys. Not anymore. <laughs> nope. 
After 1870, Republican state governments in the South turned to Congress for help and three acts were finally enforced, the strongest of which was the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. The Ku Klux Klan Act finally made certain crimes federal offenses, including conspiracies to deprive someone of the right to hold office, to serve on juries, or to enjoy equal protection under the law. So through this act, the president was allowed to make arrests and to send federal forces to suppress Klan violence. If they were inclined to enforce it, of course. Exactly. Just like today, white supremacists can be found in places they should not be. At its peak in the 1920s, there were over 4 million Klan members nationwide. In the early 1990s, the Klan was estimated to have between 6,000 and 10,000 active members, mostly in the Deep South. Now we see people who hold their beliefs seem to be everywhere. That makes me think that there are a lot more than that, even. And if the march on Charlottesville and the attack on the Capitol are any indication, the numbers have probably vastly increased during the last four years of encouragement from the president. Yeah, I wonder if they increased or just came out of hiding through said encouragement. <laughs> Good point. I don't know. But either way, there's some kind of horrible pride these people seem to have. What shocks me, it shouldn't, but it does, is that there are so many people in this country who would be a member of a club known for lynching people, murdering them, burning crosses, horrible things like that. There's so many people for whom that's what holds meaning or makes sense. That's crazy. There are a lot of people who want to be a part of that, who hate so violently that they think it's a good thing. They're so misled about race that they think it's a threat and that all members of a racial group, which is an artificial thing anyway, are deserving of cruel treatment. It's so sickening and disturbing. It's evil. They do their job of terrorizing well. I think the burning crosses and those white outfits are horrifying. I actually saw a pickup truck in South Jersey drive by with a few robed and hooded Klansmen in the late 80s. And the friend of mine who lived nearby told me at that time there was a fairly large group of them there. I think that's fairly well known, although I was personally shocked at the time. It was a sight I never forgot, even though nothing happened and it lasted about three seconds. Wow. I'm sure it was just seared into your mind because it's such a horrible sight. I hate the evil looking robes and hoods. Like I said, it all makes me sick. <laughs> it was immediately chilling through my whole being. You know, it shouldn't be surprising that you might see Klan members in New Jersey. Apparently, there are hate groups all over the country, and there are plenty right here in the Philadelphia region. It was seeing robed men drive by that was the shocker, not exactly that white supremacist terrorists live in these parts. We mentioned in our podcast about angry white men back in January that the headquarters of at least 10 of their groups are right in the city of Philadelphia itself. That's right. Here are the names of some of the KKK and neo-Nazi groups in our beloved state of Pennsylvania, in case you're curious. American Defense Skinheads, Blood and Honor Social Club, East Coast Knights of the True Invisible Empire. I mean, how childish. National Socialist Liberation Front, The Right Stuff, and The Wolves of Vinland. Obviously, these are people who never grew up to adulthood from the damaged white boys that they were as children, people who don't have the decency and humanity to treat other people as they would those who they care about. 
I'm also really interested in groups like Life After Hate that help people like these lost in these organizations to connect with humanity and change so that they can lead productive lives without violence or hate. They're worth checking out at lifeafterhate.org. Yes, thank goodness for them. I do agree that there's probably brainwashing going on in these hate groups and that a group like Life After Hate can help people escape from that and have a, a healthier life. The, the people who um, are in that organization were in, you know, were haters themselves. So they really understand, you know, and, and they're really helpful in, I guess, the deprogramming or whatever it is. Yeah, that's great. If you're interested in learning more, a good resource is the SPLC, the Southern Poverty Law Center. They track the hate groups and are how we learned about the ones in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia specifically. I send money to them every year because I think they're a fantastic organization. They monitor hate groups, but what's really helpful that they do is that they work with educators, with schools, and in communities to help them work toward racial justice. And they fight for justice for vulnerable populations. So check them out. Yeah, that is a really great um, resource and really important to track these crazy hate groups. Yep. White supremacy has to end. I'm glad we're done talking about this one for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You can find us at shrinksonthird.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at shrinksonthird. Till next time. Take care.